Hello? Hello? Is it on? It's on? Good evening, everybody. Rainy evening. Whoa. Hello? Is that? John's fixing me. I should keep talking so that John can get the best sound. Yeah, we got some feedback. Good. What? Do I need more light? What do you guys, what do you guys, there we go. Is that better? Okay. All right, good evening again, everybody. So, I think I know everyone in here, but if I didn't know any, everyone in here, I'd say my name is Sam. Uh, I am one of, the leader, one of the leaders here at the church. I lead the men's ministry. Um, I used to lead the children's ministry. That's Kevin's job for now. <laughs> and uh, the men are, can, can, can this be turned down a little bit? It's really loud for me. Maybe it's perfect for everyone else. The what? Oh, the monitor? Maybe the monitor, yeah. I don't want to hear that myself that much. Hello? Okay. Maybe that will do. Pardon me. Okay. All right, that's better. Um, so, yeah, I lead the, the men's ministry, and the, uh, the men um, have a Bible study that is every Saturday morning um, at J.P. Licks. And what we're doing there is where I'm getting this teaching from tonight. Uh, we're going through First Timothy, but it's very, very discussion-based. So a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about tonight are things that just we talked about. Like there's no, we're not marching through. We have taken a very, very long time to just get through four chapters. Um, but tonight I uh, want to talk about First Timothy chapter 3 about the qualifications for church leaders. The qualifications for church leaders. But before we begin, let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this body of believers. I pray for us that we would, uh, we would grow and we would benefit by, uh, by tonight that you'd be glorified in the church, Lord, and in the world, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, I'm going to give a little bit of background on First Timothy. First Timothy. So, so, Timothy, and normally it's so, I want to ask everyone here, I want to sit in a big circle and ask questions to everyone. Um, but the, I, don't think, I don't think we can do that now. Um, but First Timothy is... Uh, written by Paul, the apostle, to Timothy. And Timothy is like his protege. Um, he's a lot younger than Paul. He uh, followed Paul around on his missionary journeys until he came to Ephesus. Ephesus is a big city that Paul came to. And then he stayed in Ephesus to pastor the church there. And in First Timothy, um, in First Timothy chapter 1, 
he says to, he says to Timothy, stay there, stay in Ephesus. In verse 3, in chapter 1, verse 3, he says, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, re- remain in Ephesus. And we concluded in the Bible study that the reason why he's saying remain in Ephesus is probably because he didn't want to remain in Ephesus because it was hard. Um, the hard part, really, truly the hard part about um, being a leader in the church is that every single Sunday there's new problems, there's new things to deal with, there's new, um, you know, just issues going on. And that, I think, is part of the reason why Paul was saying stay. Those people, they deserve to have a good pastor, a good leader who is going to just stay with them and fix, get through these things. Um, and he, in a lot of First Timothy, is a lot of practical advice for him. It's a lot of, uh, it's not as much, it's not as much, you know, theological. Although it is very theological, but there's a lot of, a lot of practical. This is what you do. This is how you do it. And First Timothy chapter three uh, is about the qualifications for leaders in the church. So I'm going to read verse one through seven. And maybe we'll get through verse 13 later, but I'm going to start in verse 1 through 7. Verse 1 in 1 Timothy chapter 3 says, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into, the, into reproach and the snare of the devil. So those are the qualifications, and we're going to dive hopefully a little deeper into these one by one, but I first want to talk about that, that word, and that's a, it's kind of a funky word for a lot of people, the word bishop. And some of your, some of your Bibles have a title, that title isn't there Paul didn't write a little title over each section that says, you know, this is what the qualifications for overseers are. Um, And that's the word bishop there. The word bishop, sometimes we think of the Catholic Church, we think of like a big hat maybe. Um, And the word bishop in Greek means, uh, is the word presbyteros. And if you, you, that that may ring a bell for some of you if you... uh, have heard of the Presbyterian Church. The Presbyterian Church's leadership is an elder-based leadership or an overseer-based leadership. So they don't have sort of like one, like in the Catholic Church maybe, one bishop who's the most in charge and then everyone else beneath them, but they have like a board of, of people. And so I'm going to switch the word bishop for leader because it's easier for me to understand 
Um, and that's what he's talking about. He's talking about someone in the church who's leading. The word presbyteros means someone who looks over or who watches over. And so I'm going to use the word leader the rest of the night um, instead of the word bishop. Is that all right? Even though it doesn't say leader in any of your Bibles probably. So leader. So that's what we're looking for. That's what we're trying to, to, to learn about, what I'm, what I'm trying to learn about, how to be a leader. And what is the purpose of an overseer or a leader in the church? So for that, I am going to read. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read from one of my favorite passages in John chapter 21. Um, John chapter 21, verse 15. Jesus, this is after Jesus is risen from the dead and he's having breakfast by the sea with his disciples. And Jesus, he says in verse 15, after they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. So this is what being a leader in the church is really about, right? Because he's go, he, Paul, he's going to have a lot of like, you have to do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. And it feels a lot like a checklist, and it is a lot like a checklist, but it's not primarily benchmarks, right? Benchmarks that you have to meet and you have to fulfill all of these things. And then once you do that, all right, now you're qualified to be an elder. And that's maybe kind of true, but that's not the point. The point is that a leader is, these are the qualities that a leader of the church um, or the lead is, who's leading the flock of God, these are the qualities that the flock of God, the church, that they deserve to have in someone who is leading them, right? So if someone is lacking in one of these qualities, right, then what happens? The flock of God, the sheep, get hurt. And that is, that's what Paul is trying to tell Timothy. If a person has these qualities, they're not going to hurt. In fact, they're going to do the opposite. They're going to help. They're going to build up the flock of God because it's not about the elder. Like the elder is, he, he's not trying to like march up the ladder of church, cor- the corporate church ladder so that he can be some famous or well-respected person. That's, if that's what someone's trying to do, they're, they're, they've totally twisted the, the purpose of of, of leading in the church, right? The purpose of leading in the church is taking care of God's lambs. Just like Jesus said to Peter, he says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. That's what, that's what a leader should be shooting for. And lacking in these qualities will end up hurting, hurting the sheep. So, because Jesus, he didn't, he did, he died for every person individually, but he also died for the church as a whole. So the leaders of the church, it's, not, it's also not only that when someone gets hurt, right, like if a, if a leader's greedy for money, for instance, and he's stealing 
from someone, from someone. He's not just hurting an individual who's maybe money he's stealing from, but he's hurting the bot. They're hurting the whole body. So these qualifications aren't just that individual sheep will get hurt, which will happen if someone is lacking in one of these areas, but it's that the whole body will be hurt if someone is lacking in these areas and they're made into and they're made a leader. So Paul's telling Timothy. Pay close attention to the people who you are promoting, who you're placing to be leaders, because not only do they have the ability to hurt individuals, they have the ability to hurt the whole group, right? When, when we, you, we see this in, when some, some scandal happens, right, in, in the church. It's not just, it is terrible. The scandals are terrible because individuals are hurt, right? But you also see just the fallout in the whole church, that people leave the church in general. They stop going. They stop believing. And so this is, these are the, it's not, so there's sort of like a two, there's like two important things. There's the individuals and there's also the, the whole body. Um, when, and Jesus, you know, Paul says this about, about the gifts, right? And about that when one, when one person benefits, the whole church benefits. So when one, on the other side of the coin, when one sheep is being healed and when one, um, you know, one person is saved because of someone's leadership in the church, the whole church benefits. So it's sort of like a double, double good on, or double bad on both sides. Um, and so let's go through these, through these different things. Um, the first thing that Paul says is this is a faithful saying. Um, if a man desires the position of a bishop or a leader, he desires a good thing. Um, I think there is, there's definitely a, this attitude of maybe it's humility or it's fake humility where um, someone's like, well, you know, no, I could never lead. You know, I'd never, no, not me, ever, ever, never, right? Paul, that, that's silly, right? Uh, Paul, and then on the other side, there's someone who says, no, nah, I don't ever want to lead. Like, that's not for me. You know, both of those kinds of people, you know, you wouldn't want to be in charge of God's flock, right? You don't want someone in charge of God's flock who isn't going to be bold in discipling people, right? You don't want someone, and also you don't want someone in charge of God's flock who's just, meh, you know, uh, who cares that that trash is on the floor, like, I didn't put it there, you know, or, or whatever, right? You want someone who's, who feels passionately, let, you know, that the flock of God deserves good things, deserves good leadership. Like these, these people are, they're God's people. They're not just like random people that I see every Sunday or see a couple times a week. These are God's people and they deserve the best, right? Jesus, because they're Jesus's bride. I'm part of, I'm Jesus's bride. Jesus deserves the best. So Paul is, Paul's saying that if someone wants to be a leader in the church, that's good. Keep, you know, keep, he's saying to Timothy, keep your eye on that person. If someone says like, yeah, I, mean, I want to lead in the church, that's better than someone who says, no, I don't, I, I'm not into it. Obviously, right? Maybe. But Paul's saying like, keep, if someone is like really showing, really showing initiative, you know, and, they, and they're asking for, asking for things to do, trying to help out, can I do this, can I do that? Keep your eye on that person, Timothy. That's a person who could be a good leader one day. 
That's, so that's the first thing. You know, it's not bad to want it. In fact, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to want to be a leader in the church. Number, uh, this, so there's, there's a bunch of things. There's a bunch of verses, and there's things in each of the verses. So a leader, a bishop, must be blameless, right? Bl- blameless does not mean perfect. It's, kind of a, it's sort of a tough word. In, in Greek, this word means not arrestable, or you can't arrest them. And so, it's sort of like, you know, if they're, if they're walking around the street, they're not like looking over their, or over their shoulder uh, because they think like, man, there's this thing that I did and, you know, the cops might get me or, or anything like that. Like there shouldn't be a, a thing in their life that some dark secret that, man, if that came out, then, then you know, there would be a scandal or that, that what the, the, the sheep would get hurt, right? If... If it turns out that, you know, they're on the run from the law, you know, and, and to use that, to use that, uh, the literal translation, right? If they're on the run from the law, they're not, it's not going to be a good witness to the outside or to the sheep on the inside if, if that person ends up, you know, getting arrested, right? They should be blameless, right? I think of, uh, I think of Mary in the Bible, right? It says that Mary was this blameless woman. And so she was, and that was part of the reason that she was chosen to bear Jesus Christ. It wasn't just, it wasn't that Mary was this random woman that kind of, God just like flipped a 2,000-sided coin and it just landed on her, right? God very purposefully picked Mary. She was the kind of woman who should, who God said, this is the, the woman that I want to raise the man who, the, the man, the son of man, to raise Jesus Christ. She wasn't just this random woman, you know. Gabriel the angel says, blessed are you among women, Mary. And that's the kind of person that God wants for a leader in the church, you know, to look at them and said, that's the kind of person that I want to shepherd my flock, to shepherd my people. Not random, not just any old person who just did stuff, any old stuff, she was careful, she, uh, she was careful, she, was, she feared God, and, and she was counted worthy to, to be Jesus' mother. Um, next, the same thing goes, goes for elders as well, uh, goes for leaders as well. The next thing is that they be the husband of one wife, husband of one wife. So above the obvious, right, what's the obvious here? The obvious is that they're not committing adultery, whether they're married or not married. This probably doesn't mean that a leader has to be married, but that if they're married, they're faithful to their wife. If they're not married, they're not sleeping around with people. It, I think it probably also means that they're not a flirt, um, that they're not uh, in or out of marriage, you know, if you're, if you're married, definitely not. If you're not married, I think it's less obvious, but you shouldn't be leading people on if, you're, if, if that's not something that is going to be a quality of, of a leader. And just why, right? If you're married, it's because you're committing grievous sin, you know, just, just by, you know, by committing adultery. It's like that's a no-brainer. If you're not married, it's because those people, right, those are, the, you know, if you're like leading people on, even if you're not married, then those people are, that's God's flock, right? 
And those are God's sheep. Those are Jesus' sheep. And so leading them on, leading them on and, and trying to just have fun, right? This is going, this is, uh, this is going to hurt them. You know, you, eventually maybe you get married, you can only marry one. And so having led on whatever, three or four people, now they're hurt. And God's flock deserves better than that. They, des- they deserve better than their leaders to be pretending to be interested in them or being interested in them for a time but not being serious about them. So husband of one wife, he says later to Timothy, he says, treat the older women as your mothers and treat the younger women like your sisters with all purity. So it's sort of a, he just makes it simple for, for Timothy. This, that's the attitude that a leader should be having towards other people. One person you'll be married to, and even if you're not married, you know, don't be leading people on. You think about people in the Bible who this who, uh, who, who, who did this, right? Solomon was a great king. He was very wise. He was great at making money for his country. He was a great leader, but he had all these wives and all these, and these, these wives. So he wasn't the husband of one wife. He was the husband of many wives. And this is, his wives, they led his heart astray. So he was worshiping God. And because of all these women, he went and started worshiping other gods. And his corruption with those, that was, became a snare for the whole country. And so it's the same thing, right? His, his desire to have lots of wives, have lots of, have lots of women, ended up being bad for the whole flock of God, right? It wasn't just about him. And that's really a, that's really a, a core for being a leader, is that if you're going to say, no, I like this thing, right? I like and, and, you know, to use this example, I like dating around, right? I like it. I'm not hurting anyone. Then it's really, you, you know, then, then, we, then if that's my attitude, I've, I've disqualified myself, right? I'm not trying to be a leader. Now I'm just trying to do my own thing. The flock of God deserves better than that. I think of kind of the other, someone who's not married. Think of Joseph, right? Some, this woman, Joseph, he was in the house by himself and his boss's wife says, she grabs him. Isn't this a crazy scene? She grabs him and she says, sleep with me. And he's like, no, <laughs> runs out of there, right? This, you know, he, w- he would rather, and he says, why should I commit this sin against my master and against God? He's not thinking about his own, like having a good time. And he's thinking about his, he's thinking about his boss, he's thinking about his boss, maybe his friend. And he's thinking about God. Right? He's, not, he's not all inside of his head like, man, what an opportunity this is. You know, not every day that this woman, that women throw themselves on you. But no, he wasn't thinking about that. He was thinking, What's, what, what does this mean in the bigger picture? I'm going to ruin my relationship with God, my relationship with my boss, my relationship with other employees who probably would find out about this. I'm going to ruin it. Right? He knew that God deserved better and that all of those people, they deserved better from him. And so he ran away. And it, you know, it cost him, and it does cost something to give up stuff that you like. And a leader should be willing to do that. A leader should be willing to give up, man, I really like whatever, fill in the blank. I really like, and using this example, I really like spending lots of time with, you know, dating people. If you're not willing to give that up, then you're probably not fit to, then I'm probably not fit. I wouldn't be fit to, to be a leader in the church. 
The next one, it must be a husband of one life. I'm going to group the next two together. It says temperate and sober-minded. I think these two are key. These two are key. If you're temperate and sober-minded, you're probably everything else on this list, probably. Uh, Temperate and sober-minded, it means you're clear-minded, right? So if someone's not sober, like their judgment's all cloudy, you know, they, you know, if someone's, someone's not sober, like they, they don't see anything to the left or the right, they just see what's like dead straight in front of them. Um, they, they're not swayed, someone who's, someone who's uh, clear-minded, someone who's temperate, sober-minded, they're not swayed, you know, their opinion and their judgment isn't swayed because of some bias or because, wow, I really like this person and yeah, they did this thing that wasn't so good, but it's okay and, you know, they're not going to... Uh, be prone to huge mood swings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the next thing they have. They're stable, right? You know, they're not going to, if, if, if it's really great and everything's amazing at church, at work, at the family, and they're jumping up and down and like slapping everyone on the back and, and then, you know, something happens at work and they argue with their wife and you know, they're, you know, something happens to their car, and then they're just like, no, don't, don't talk to me, and, you know, I, I hate everything. Does God even exist? You know, like, you know, that's not stable. That's not temperate. That's not clear-minded, right? The leaders in the church should be people who, when it's good, they're there for you, right? When it's bad in their own life, not just your, not your life, right? When it's bad in their own life, they're also there for you. And you know, they're going to be dependable, right? So if, if you, uh, if, if, you know, if you, if they say, yeah, I'm going to do this thing for you. I'm going to come over at this time. I'm going to pick you up at this time. Um, they do it, right? They, they don't flake out, right? Flaking out, it's like a childish thing, right? And the flock of God deserves better, right? Because the people who they're leading, right, the, lead, the, the people who these leaders, these bishops, these overseers, the people who they're leading, they're the, the sheep, right? They're broken. There's people in the church who are hurting, and they, they want someone who they can depend on, right? Uh, they're, 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 they're sick, they're sad, and they need people in their lives, and, and God knows this, and Paul knew this, that the church, that in the church, in the flock of God, there would be people who they need someone who that they can rely on. And those people are the people that are, should, be the lead, should be leaders. If you have all these amazing gifts, you're an amazing, whatever, athlete, you're an amazing, you're rich, you can teach the Bible so well, you're super funny, but you're not stable, you're not fit to be a leader in the church, right? You could be broke, have one leg, um, and just not funny at all. Uh, I know some people like that. And, but, you're, but you're dependable, right? That's the person that you want. That's the person that you want to be leading in your church. Every time, every single time. Um, I think of the, the, person, the person in the Bible that I think of that was Stable. They were steady. They were temperate. Right? Is King Hezekiah? Right? King Hezekiah. He came in. uh, His dad was just a terrible king. He made all these good reforms. He was doing all the right things, and the nation was prospering. And then the Assyrian army invades 
the neighbors, his neighbors in the north, so they, he invades the country of Israel. He was the, the king of Judah, wipes out Israel, comes into Judah, just pretty much wipes out his whole, the whole country except Jerusalem and surrounds Jerusalem with his army. The Assyrians, aside from the fact that being in a city that's surrounded by an army is probably terrifying, the Assyrians were famous for being really, really bad or, or like very mean. They would, what they would, one of the, some of the stuff that they would do is when they surrounded a city, they would take prisoners from like from the land around you. So like whatever, you know, there's a farm that's not, a, not in the city. They would take the farmer, their family, and they would, um, they would put them up pretty much on a cross and they would just like cut into their skin. And so they would be alive just screaming like, help, help, uh, in front of the city, right? Just terrible, terrible. Uh, and they would also make skulls of, uh, pyramids of skulls of people who they had killed. And they would just put them right in front of the city. And, the, and, and so the people in the city would be seeing all this and they'd just be terrified. It's terrifying, right? And the whole purpose of it was to scare them into, into saying, all right, we give up, right? We don't want that to happen. So J- Jerusalem is surrounded, and, and they say, you know, he, there's a, the, the spokesman says to, he, he, he yells out to the people on the wall, your God cannot save you, Hezekiah cannot save you, the only person who can save you is me, and so you guys should rebel against them, and you should come out and surrender, because I'm going to do this to you. And it says that the people, they held their peace, they didn't say anything, so they trusted in Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, he goes before God, and he, and he just says, God, what are we supposed to do in front of this great army? And he prays in front of the whole people. He says, God, you are the only one who can save, right? I'm not gonna, we, and we're not, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to, uh, he, didn't, he didn't like send for help to Egypt or anything like that. He said, God, in this terrible, terrible time, and he's the leader, in this terrible time, I'm going to wait for your salvation. And the next, and God saved them. The next day, God saved them. That's the kind of leader that the church, that the flock of God deserves. When it's bad in their life, they don't run away. They don't panic. They don't start screaming. They don't disappear, right? They're there. They're there for, for, for the flock of God when it gets hard. So they're temperate and they're sober-minded. They're steady. They're reliable. They're clear-minded. They're, they look at things objectively. All right. Number f- the, the next one, it says that they're of good behavior, right? I think, uh, um, I think of Joseph, right? Joseph, he was just good at what he did. He was a good man. And that matters. Like a lot of this a lot of this, one of, the holy, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is goodness. And I think it trips people out, like, good, no one's good, right? But you, you kind of know when you meet someone who's like this that, that it's not talking about, you know, wow, they're such a good person. They deserve to get into heaven just because of their works. That's not what it's talking about, right? It's talking about a wholesome person who, does, who treats people well, who does their work well, who loves, you know, loves their family, loves the flock of God. Joseph was like that, right? Joseph, you know, wherever he went, he was, you know, he, he's in prison. Then he, he does the prison thing good. He's, he's a servant. He does the servant thing good. He's in charge of the whole country. He does, the, he does that well, right? That's someone who's of good behavior. They're, they're not childish in their, in their speech or in their, in their action, right? They're also, they're not a gossip, 
right? Gossip, bad behavior. That's bad behavior. And the flock of God deserves to have someone who's not, who, who is of good behavior, right? Imagine someone goes and says, wow, I'm really struggling with this thing. I've, I've done this thing and it's, it, it, I'm, I have so much guilt about it. And then the person's a gossip and they're like, listen, we should pray for brother or sister, you know, so-and-so because they, listen, they told me that they did this thing and then it goes and spreads around, right? The flock of God deserves better than that. They deserve people who are trustworthy, right? Who when, when, they're, when they're hard things, when they're secrets, when they're come into their ears that they know that they're not just going to be, be shouted out abroad, right? The flock of God deserves that. They also, um, of good behavior, I'm, I'm also kind of lumping in, they care about things uh, being in order and being clean, right? So if, you, you know, if, a, if someone walks into church and there's trash on the ground and they just kind of stroll on by, or if there's, um, yeah, I mean, that's a good example, right? That's not, that's the flock of God deserves better than that. So a good leader is going to it doesn't matter if it's their job or not. It doesn't matter if it's the janitor's job. Good leader is going to pick up the trash, put it, in the, put it where it belongs. The next one is a good leader is hospitable. God gives a command to Israel that they should be hospitable to, to strangers. They should be hospitable to immigrants. That they should feed them if they're hungry. Um, that they should welcome them in. They shouldn't cast them out. A good leader should be a welcoming person, right? And also, someone, not only is, are they a welcoming person, but they also want to spend time, valuable time, with the flock of God, with the people in the flock of God. It, it means they're nice people, right? Are you a nice person? If you say, oh, that's just not me. Like, I just come across, I just, it's the way I was raised, right? I, I come across as, as not nice, or, or I just don't like talking to people, well, you're not hospitable, or I'm not, I wouldn't be hospitable if that was me. Um, and the flock of God, what, right? The flock of God, they deserve someone who's going to be nice to them. Maybe it sounds silly to say, right? Someone who you're, you like seeing when you come, when you, when, when you come to church. At, at, um, at work, they call it the hallway test, and, it's, and maybe some of you have experienced, experienced this. If you're walking down the hallway, if I'm walking this way, and leader X, leader Y is walking down this way, and I see them, and I just take a right because I would rather not, right? Then that, that tells you something about leader X, right, leader Y. If, if, if you would rather take the long way around than bump into them, or if that's you, right, if, if you, you know, if, if people, or if you always see people taking a right and a left when you're walking down the hallway, then it says something about you, right? It says that, like, man, you know, I'm not hospitable. And the, the, uh, the, the, the flock of God, they deserve leaders who they walk right into them and give them a hug, not walk around them so they don't have to, so they don't have to you know, bump into them at all. They deserve, the flock of God deserves people who are going to be nice to them, who want to spend time with them. Um, they're not going to be bitter against people. They're not going to um, like begrudgingly do stuff for them. They, they're going to be inviting people into their homes. They're going to be spending time with people. Uh, I think this is really a, a, this is a, a big check for a lot of people because a lot of people, can, they're very willing to be nice when they're supposed to be nice. But 
they're never ever available to spend any time at home. You know, you don't come to my home. That's my palace, right? That's this is the place where I rest. Like, don't, you know, it's it's seven thirty. You know, we gotta go. We gotta wrap this up. I gotta go, right? If and you know, obviously sometimes there's there there. Are, there are times that you do have to go, but that's, if that's your attitude all the time, it's the same problem as, as with many of the other things, right? The same problem is like, no, this is my house. This is my time. This is my food. This is my whatever, right? I want it, you know, stay away. This is for me. It's, it's another indication, right, that this person really, their, their priority is not the flock of God. Their priority is their own whatever. And the flock of God deserves better than that. All right, they're hospitable. Number seven says that they're able to teach. The person that I think about this, um, and maybe this is silly, but the person I think about, because there are other people, it's not silly, is Jesus, right? Jesus said that, uh, it says in Luke, that when Jesus was, was walking around, that he saw the multitudes following him around. It says that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so what did he do? He taught them. Um, People want to know, and the sheep deserve to know God's Word. And a person who's going to be a leader, it doesn't say that, you know, a, a bishop, they need to teach as good as Steve Cole, or they need to teach as good as Billy Graham, or whoever it might be. It doesn't say that. It says they're able to teach. They can open up the Word of God, and they can teach you about God's Word. They, sort of as a foundation to all of this, it means that they know God's Word. They know, you know, where the Old Testament and the New Testament is. They can tell you, you know, this is what God is saying uh, in this part of, of the Bible, and they can teach people. And the point of it isn't just, it's not academic, right? You know, it's probably, a, a lot of sermons that I've a lot of sermons that I've heard, I don't remember them, right? I've heard, many, many of us have heard many, many, many sermons, right? It's not that like I'm, I have a catalog in my head of what every sermon was said at every single time. It's what I needed to hear that day, right? It was the, sometimes it was the food for that day. Um, so they should be able to teach. They should know, they should know God's Word well enough to instruct people correctly. If they're just kind of winging it, the flock of God deserves better than that. They deserve people who know the Bible and can teach the Bible. The next one says that they're not given to wine. Proverbs 31, verse 8, I think, says, uh, it's, it's the, it, Proverbs 31 is a Proverbs from the, to this king from his mother. It, which is kind of a wonderful thing. How many times do you kind of run after your mom writing down what she says, which is what he did with his mom? I, I do that with you, mom. <laughs> um, it, but he says, you know, most of Proverbs 31 is about uh, the virtuous wife, right? She's giving him advice. This is the kind of woman that you should be marrying. But the first, uh, the first is about, the first 10, nine verses are about leading, about, you know, he's a king and he needs... For he needs instruction and leading. And one of the things she says is um, that you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be drinking because uh, lest you drink, forget the law, and pervert judgment of the afflicted, right? 
Um, aside from the obvious, right, which is drunkenness, so someone who's a drunk shouldn't be a leader, um, it doesn't say that they never drink, ever. But if this is one of those things where you're like, no, no, I can, I'm allowed to, I can drink, this is mine, I like it, right? If, if that's the attitude of a person, uh, and it's like, well, yeah, it, it does, like, you know, I might, I know that this person I'm having dinner with used to struggle with alcohol, or, or maybe it's not, not even that. Maybe it's that they didn't struggle with alcohol, but they believe that drinking alcohol is a sin. The Bible, you know, Romans says that, like, that's a weak attitude, but you have to go down to that attitude, right? So if you're having dinner with someone, you're like, listen, I'm going to drink anyway. You know, you just need to deal with it. You need to grow up. Then that's not, that's not the attitude that, that uh, the church of God deserves, right? Um, so if someone who's a leader... They shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't be just like all the time drinking here and there. And if they do drink, maybe that's okay. But if they're not willing to give it, give it up, then they're not qualified. You know, I wouldn't be qualified if, if I just won't give something up, right? Because it's mine. It sort of ties back to being hospitable, right? If you're, if you're with someone and, you, you know, they're all offended or, or, or stumbled because you're doing something and you're just going to do it anyway, that's not nice. The next one, it says that they're not greedy for money. They're not greedy for money. Some of these things, it's like, well, obviously, right? So, obviously, if you're stealing from the church, you're not qualified to be a leader in the church. Um, I think it goes beyond that, though. It's not just that they're not stealing, because maybe it's easy to not steal for some people. But it's also that they're not stingy with their own money. They're generous. They tithe regularly and generously. Um, it's, it's, so it's, you know, maybe they don't steal, but they don't, you know, if, if someone is never tithing, if someone always, you know, makes you pay when you go out for them, if they, you know, won't, if they won't be generous with their, with their stuff, right, if they're... If, it's, it's that same thing. It's like, no, this is mine. You can't have it, right? This is my money, and I earned it, and you didn't earn it. It's mine. Um, whether that goes for individuals or the church a whole, like, no, I why should I give it to you? You know, why should I give it to the church? It's mine, right? The church of God, what? I say this over and over. They deserve better, right? They deserve someone who is going to be generous, who's going to be willing to open up their home, and maybe even willing to you know, for people who, you know, for people who are in need, you know, willing to just give, give things away, you know. Jesus, when he's, when he's talking to the nations in Matthew 25, um, he separates the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And to the sheep, he says, you fed, you fed me when I was hungry. You put clothes on my back when I was, when I was uh, cold. You know, you let me stay with you. You came and visited me. Very generous, right? And they didn't, and, you know, when, when, you, when you give money to someone who's, you know, when you give food to someone who can't afford it, you know, you shouldn't be going back to them and saying, you know, well, can I, you know, I, I lent you that stuff, can I have it back now? No, it's not generous, right? And the attitude that Jesus, he looks at those people on his right, he says, you loved me and so you gave, right? You loved people and so you gave, right? You gave your time, you gave your, your food, you gave your money, you loved and so you gave. Didn't expect anything in return. Um, and to the people on the left, right, 
They say, Lord, Lord, you know, they, they call him the right thing, you know, they went to the right places, but he says, you didn't, you didn't give, and so I know you didn't love, right? It's a, it, it goes for money, and it goes for a lot of other things as well. The, per, the, the flock of God, they deserve people who are going to, who are going to give, who are going to be generous, who are going to have, who, who love the flock of, who love the flock of God more than they love their own stuff, more than they love their own time, their own uh, money even. Um, Samuel's son, uh, Samuel's sons, the prophet Samuel, it says that they weren't qualified to be judges in Israel because they took bribes. They loved money more than they loved justice, right? The flock, of, and so they weren't qualified. And the people knew that you, your sons can't rule over us, right? You've, you've, you've done well. You've, done, you've justly ruled over, over us. And you haven't turned to the left or turned to the right because of money. But your sons they did, right? And so we don't want them. They're not qualified. So the flock of God, they deserve someone who money isn't like all hooked up in their heart. You know, maybe there's a, this pastor who said that like money, money can be in the hand and in the pocket, but it cannot be in the heart and somewhere else important too. <laughs> so some saying like that, right? Um, yeah. There's a couple more says that they should be gentle. You know, when you're serving the flock of God, you're not trying to get a bunch of knuckleheads to stop being so knuckleheaded by any means necessary, shouting and yelling, right? You're dealing with Jesus' sheep, right? They're His very, very precious people. And sometimes they're sick, sometimes they're hurt, sometimes they're young, and they all deserve to be dealt with gently, right? And sometimes they actually, people actually do bad things, to, right? It's not like, you know, sometimes the sheep, to use the sheep analogy, sometimes they kick back, right? Sometimes, you know, you're trying to help a sheep and they're like, you know, whatever, kick, you know, jump away and maybe kick you in the face, right? You know, a good gentle shepherd isn't going to be, get back here, sheep, and, you know, start smacking them or whatever, Right? A gentle shepherd is going to be still be patient, still, you know, all right, you know, you got a you got a broken leg, I gotta I gotta fix this leg, buddy. You know, they're not they're not going to, you know, like beat them into submission until they stop. Okay, now I can fix your leg for you. Right? That's not that's not a gentle shepherd, right? Jesus, I think of Jesus with the uh, with the adulterous woman, right? She was guilty. She was caught in the act of committing adultery. And he dealt, with, he dealt with her so gently, right? He, you know, he, he saves her from her accusers. And, and, you know, Jesus, he says, he who's without, right? A lot of you guys know this story. He who's without sin, throw the first stone. Everyone walks away except Jesus because he's never committed any sin. And Jesus, he doesn't like, all right, it's just me now, and starts throwing rocks because he's the only one who deserves to, right? No, he's like, Go sin no more, right? He's gonna bear. He's gonna bear the punishment on himself, right? And a leader will do that. A leader will bear the brunt for other people. It's not like, oh man, they deserve. They get what's coming to them. Like, better stay away. A leader will go into the hard situation and bear that pain with them. That's what the flock of God deserves. Um, the next one, they're not quarrelsome. A lot of people, a lot of people, Christians included, they, they like to argue with anyone about anything, whether it's 
you know, church-related Bible stuff or sports or politics or food or whatever it is. It's, it's always a controversy and it's always a thing and it's always got to be loud and in your face, whatever, right? And if you say, no, that's just how I am, right? I, don't, I, I'm, I'm, I can't give that up. That's how I was raised. That's how I was brought up. It's that same thing. Like, no, no, this is mine. This is how I am. I, this is how I argue. This is how I talk. Well, then you're just making it about yourself. And the flock of God deserves someone who isn't going to jump down people's throats every time they say something wrong who, uh, or something that they disagree with. Someone who's a leader, they should be fizzling out arguments. They shouldn't be, you know, inflaming them. Um, you think of Peter, right? Peter with his sword, right? A lot of, maybe, he was, maybe he had the right heart when he was trying to protect Jesus, right? You know, Jesus is being arrested. Peter takes out his sword and flails it and hits the guy in the ear. You know, maybe he had the right heart. He was trying to do the right thing, but he was trying to start a fight when he shouldn't be starting a fight. Um, he should have been, yeah, Jesus says, put your sword away. You know, and that's what he says to the leaders of the church as well. He said, don't, you know, it's, if you're leading the flock, you don't lead them with, you don't lead them with a sword, Right? You're not trying to beat them. You're not trying to stab them. You're not trying to, you know, force your will on them. The next one says that they're not covetous. Uh, covetous maybe is also sometimes a funky word. I think sometimes people think that it means, and maybe it can mean this, about wanting something in general. So, for instance, someone has a nice car, thinking, man, I wish I had a nice car. I don't think that's covetous. I think covetous is, I want his car. I want the car that he has. I want his wife. I want his gifts, his spiritual gifts or his physical gifts, right? I want, say it again. Yeah, like it's, it is, it's, it's jealousy. It's like, I wish that I had what he had. I want that. I want, it's not just that I want a car or I want a wife or I want a family or I want whatever, just generally a thing. It's I want his thing, right? The flock of God does, doesn't, deserves leaders who aren't going to be looking at their stuff and being like, man, I really wish I had that. Because what's the attitude? If you're like that with someone, right? If someone has something that you want, you want that thing, right? You know, you're not going to just be, you're not going to be nice, right? You're not going to be hospitable. You're not going to be, you know, even-headed and, and steady. You're going to be all biased, you know, man, I, I deserve that, not, not you, um, instead being happy for them, right? A, a real good leader, a real good shepherd is going to be happy when, someone, when some, something comes into someone's life that, that they don't have, like that car, that wife, that family, those gifts, that money maybe. They're going to be happy for them. The next one is he rules his house well. He rules his house well. If a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the, of the flock of God? This is kind of, you know, Paul gives some explanation here. If you can't teach and guide your family, it's a good indication that you can't do it in the church, right? If, you, if you're a bad example, it's really about being an example. If you're a bad example at home, you're going to also be a bad example at work. If you're a bad example, not at work, at church, but if you are a bad example at work, it's also a good example, also a good indication that you'll be a bad example at, at church, right? If you're if you're a bad example on the tee and you're just like blowing up, you know, at people or on the road, you know, you know, you lose your temper all the time. It's a good, good indication. When I'm with the flock of God, I'm also going to be those things. Um, 
If you're not hospitable now, if you're not generous now, if you're not loving now, why, what would, why would it change if you're now made into a leader because you have these amazing gifts? It won't change, right? The person who's, who becomes a leader, they need to already be all those things. The last one is they're not a novice. They're not a novice lest they be puffed up with pride and they fall into the same condemnation as the devil. So a novice, right? Moses, in the beginning of his story, he was a novice, right? He had lots of gifts. He had a lot of money. He had the name. uh, He had the upbringing. But he wasn't willing to wait. He was a novice. So he killed someone, right? And someone who's puffed up with pride about their own abilities, they'll go out and they'll kill someone. They'll, you know, kill someone. They'll, they'll, do, they'll do like, man, I'm justified in doing this thing because I, I deserve to do it. I'm, I'm able to do it. And that's what Moses did. And he ended up ruining his testimony with, you know, with Israel, ruining his testimony with, uh, with the Egyptians as well. So someone who's going to be a leader, they should be willing to wait. They should be willing to be discipled. Discipled just meaning they should be willing to learn from people who know more than they do. They should be willing to just serve quietly for a long time, right? You know, if every, if you're emailing Pastor Steve every week saying, can I be an elder now? Can I be an elder now? Can I be an elder? It's right. It's not, it's like, it's, it's like, well, will you wait? <laughs> will you just, just, you know, give me a second here to just learn a little about you, right? A lot of this is let Timothy look at the people and see them, like let their character be proven, right? Time will expose who they really are. If they come in and they're like an amazing teacher and they're an amazing evangelist and they look so good with kids, oh, wow, you should be a leader right now, right? Paul's saying, Timothy, if you do that, you're going to end up regretting it because there's going to be things, there's going to be things in that person's life that come up later. And also, if you do that, they will think, I'm the person, I'm the man, I'm the woman, I, I deserve everything that I have and I deserve to be a leader in the church, and you all should do what I say, right? A, a, a real leader, they should, be broke, they should be broken, right? They should be willing to wait. Um, they, someone who hasn't been broken over time and developed love and also really a loyalty to the flock of God, they will attribute any success to their own gifts. And... The, the, the weird thing about this whole chapter is that he doesn't say any gift, they should have this gift to be a leader. He doesn't do that ever. He just says pretty much, you need to be a dependable person who is nice, right? And some people, they hear that and they, they think, you know, they think, so boring. They need to be boring, right? That's what that's what, I, that's what we were talking about on, on the Saturday mornings, that like just this stable, nice person, right? And if, if, that's maybe, if that's what kind of you think, which is what I thought, and you think, I don't want to be boring, right? I want to be edgy, and I want to be, say things that I shouldn't say and do things maybe that I shouldn't do, but you know, no one told me I shouldn't do it, right? Then it's an indication that Maybe, you know, you shouldn't be a leader, right? If you're, if you have a, and, and, the, and the, la, well, the, the real last one is that they have a good testimony with those who are on the outside, with, 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 uh, with their family, with their coworkers, with people who are not Christians. 
Being a good employee is important, right? Being a good neighbor, being a good friend, right? To the, even to the people who are not, to, who are not Christians um, is a good indication of whether or not someone should be a leader in the church. If you, if, you know, if, if you, you know, hear things tonight that you're like, man, I'm willing to be nice, but I'm not willing to be generous, or I'm willing to not, you know, flirt with people, but, you know, I, I love arguing, and I'm not going to give that up, right? This is, just let it be a check for myself, a check for yourself, that this is something that I want, God wants me to grow in, because God wants you to be a leader, right? Every person in this room, God wants you to be a leader, it's better for you and it's better for the whole flock of God if we're leaders. And so, I think I'm going to end there. Eddie, if you could come up and play. I think, you know, the things to pray about tonight are, you know, for ourselves first, to pray for ourselves, you know. No one here is perfect, but I just want you, I just want, you know, each person here to, you know, let's get, when, when we start praying, get into little groups of three and four, and just pray for your, the, the parts of your life that, that you want to grow in, right? God, like I said, you know, God wants every person in this room to be a leader in the church, right? To lead people, to bring, to bring the flock of God along, right? To, to help people, to, hurt, to heal people. Um, and so, since that's God's will for your life, I know it's God's will for your life, what are the things that are holding you back from the things that you're saying maybe, man, I, I like this thing. I don't want to give it up. So, when, let's, let's break, up and break out into little groups of three and four and just pray for ourselves, and also pray for the people. Pray for when someone says, yeah, I'm, I, I want to grow in this area. Then pray for them. You know, pray for them. God, pray for... I pray for, you know, I pray for Sam. He loves to argue with people. I, I pray that you would help him, you know, help, help him to let that go. And then, uh, and then we'll, we'll pray for one more thing after that. So let's get into little groups of three and four and, and, then, and then pray. <laughs>